basically. So I've made the sticky toffee pudding base and then I make the sticky later to drizzle over the top at the point of serving. Mm. But I've put it in the oven for the uh, recommended amount of time and it's still like a swimming pool Mm -hmm. of um, toffee batter. So I will at some point have to take a 30-second comfort break slash skewer my sticky toffee pudding break. You're welcome to... I'll need a wit at some point anyway. I've been drinking a lot of water. My mouth is like a budgie cage. Welcome to The Spin-Off, the show where award-winning podcasters Fleur Emery and me, producer Buckers, reunite to discuss attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. ADHD is, of course, a condition of distractibility, so although we are loosely examining the experience of living with a diagnosis, conversationally we will soon break loose and set off towards the unmapped territories of our minds. We sometimes swear, and if you're a blood relative of either of us, listener caution is advised. We have watched lots of YouTube videos about this stuff, and I've got half a nursing degree, but we're not medical experts, so please bear that in mind. Is that okay, Buckers? That's lovely. Let's do a podcast. Hello and welcome to the Spin-Off Podcast. My name is Fleur Emery and this is Buckaroo. Thank you, Fleur. How are you doing? That, that was lovely. I'm fine, thank you. I'm, By um... introducing it like that, am I sort of taking ownership of the podcast? You can edit that out there. You've got the snipping power, haven't you? Yeah, I'll read. I'll do my own intro and then, and and cut it back in. I probably won't. Just I'll probably really forget. Look, with a mean look on your face. <laughs> Get your foot off the stage. <laughs> what are we talking about today, Fleur? Host of the Rejection. podcast. <laughs> so um, I've been re- <laughs> I've been reading this book by. Um, Gal Massey. I can't pronounce his name. There's a lot of accents, so I think it's Gabor Mate. Okay. But who knows? And have you read this book? It's called The Scattered Mind, which I think is a brilliant description of the condition, first off. Lots of people recommended it in real work. I mean, when I say read, I read it this week. I um, listened to some of it on audiobook. Yeah. That's and still had reading. a flick and flicked forward a lot so the stuff about childhood and stuff mm-hmm. I sort of I got to the juicy bits and um yeah I mean are you interested at all yes I did am did you see the reel I made today no <laughs> this um right so basically I read it so you don't have to and I trimmed the 30 seconds that were most of interest to me would you like to hear them yes I would here it comes. Basically, my review of it was, I really liked the bits when he said that I'm special and different mm-hmm. and a genius and all that part. Yeah. And yeah. I really didn't like the bits when he said that because I have ADHD, I'm annoying. Yeah, that's very out of order and wrong. Yes. So here it comes. type of ADD child is socially adept and wildly popular. In my experience... Such success hides a lack of confidence in important areas of functioning. 
adults with ADD may be perceived as aloof and arrogant or tiresomely talkative and boorish. <laughs> Many are recognizable by their compulsive joking, their pressured rapid-fire speech, by their seemingly random and aimless hopping from one topic to the next, Humping. by their inability to express an idea without exhausting the English vocabulary. Isn't he basically just trash-talking all podcast hosts? Yeah. And what's he saying? Incessant talking. They're compul... No, he didn't say humping, Dan. He didn't say humping. Jumping from subject to subject. You know, the kind of... the. He basically said that all the things which are special about me are annoying. Yeah. Only to boring people, though. I don't know. Am I allowed I mean, to say that? I have to, you know, he's got like 12 degrees or something. He's quite, he's quite studied in this area. He just treats a load of ADHD people and addiction people. So, hmm. we'll see anyway. So the jury's out on that one. But um, that's my book review for the week. The jury's out on whether Helpful. you're annoying because you have ADHD. I mean, that's the subject we're going to talk about. I mean, it kind of is a, a seg onto what we're talking about today, right? Okay, so today yeah. I want to talk about relationships. One of the things that is fascinating in this book and some other reading that I've done is the assertion that adults with ADHD, particularly the um, who are high on the hyperactivity rating, um, find it difficult to maintain um romantic relationships and friendships but we'll talk about that another time so let's talk about um romance mm-hmm. that um because of <clears throat> the so obviously caveat yeah i'm not a scientist and i've read about three books okay and i've known i had adhd for about a week yeah. but <laughs> so this is i'm just saying how i my understanding from what i've read at this point is because of the differences in the ADHD mind, it rewards brain, it rewards newness. Yes. So however much work we've done on ourselves, however relaxed we are, however not codependent, not traumatized, however, you know, rounded we are still, we are naturally looking for newness and looking to create newness in a relationship. So the milestones that occur naturally in a relationship like um they looked after my dog um she slept over on my sofa she said i love you she let she cleaned out the gerbils she made me um vegan pasta bake you know mm-hmm. all those little milestones that are that are scattered like breadcrumbs along the footpath of love that the adhd person just eats the crumb and says, where's the next crumb? Yeah. Where's the next one? Where's yeah. the next one? Like Scooby-Doo wanting a Scooby snack. He does yeah. it. Nice to one. meet you. Here's my gerbil. And Please clean it out for me now. And yeah. then I'll bake you a cake. And um, there's room in there for another gerbil. Let's go to the gerbil shop together, buy one together and name it something really meaningful. And raise it together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Co-parent there's kind of that. Yeah. So, Am I am I guessing from your response that you identify with that description and, and therefore validate it? Absolute monto. See, I even crave newness <laughs> for how that. you say absolutely. <laughs> absolutely is dead to me. <laughs> so have you always been like that in your dating life? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And I will have had like society's 
society's like in the, in the back of my mind saying slow down slow down so i will maybe be on the outside not not always giving in to those impulses and the desires but they're kind of like raging within so me so sometimes you knew that you had to keep it at bay yeah you felt it in you like a um like you're in the starting gates of the grand national yeah like you know when you've got those little wind up toys that you wind the um plastic yeah, thingy yeah. up but then you hold its you hold its legs or you hold its wheels while you're finding yeah. like the optimum position for it on the floor that's what and i would then, do to myself i would feel it within me like some little pitter patter feet yeah. that just want to go for it and i would hear like and then someone else's you, you voice let it go and the wheels speed off the track yeah. and you drive Fall your day like Thelma and louise yeah. louise into the grand canyon yeah me too yeah that's sad isn't it well some people all... like that some partners that i've had at the beginning that's worked really well and for me the flip side because it's exciting yeah because you're exciting yeah. yeah and for me the flip side is as soon as i start to feel like um my someone is matching my intensity and then starts to go above my intensity i'm repulsed and i have to retreat and never speak to them again oh babe <laughs> That's... Do you get that? A lot. I, to be fair, I don't think anyone's overtaken me in the fast lane. Okay. I don't think anyone... You know, I think I've very much been too much. And, um, yeah, I've never had someone... I mean, I'm not as enticing as you, I don't think. What do you mean? You're quite enticing, Rocket. Oh, good evening. <laughs> quite enticing. Well, I, don't, I think I've, I've, got, never, I've got a yeah, string no, of exes that disagree with you. <laughs> on a um, on one of those um, pages when you get and what is it when you all sign a thing to agree on something and then you send it to Parliament? Petition. Is that what? Yeah, petition. I was going to say treaty.org. <laughs> <laughs> petition.org um yeah they've all signed up to say yeah she's not buckers does not entice me mm. it's um and then what's and, and how when you drive off the cliff what does that look like being dumped yeah i've been dumped more times than i have dumped and i don't I don't know why that is. I think it's probably a combination of factors. I'm quite, um, once I'm in, I like to know that I've done everything I possibly can to make something work, whether that's a degree that three weeks in, I realise, mm, don't really like this, or a holiday, or, you know, travelling, some kind of experience, or even a film, 10 minutes into a film, I think, oh, this is rubbish. I just think, well, I've got, I've got to watch it because what if it's about to get good? And that's what I've, that's kind of my approach to most things. So 
even when I've known something isn't right. That's interesting. I, I don't do that. Bail. I just bin it off. I, reg- I, I don't no. very often bail. When I was saying earlier about when someone starts to match my intensity and I get repulsed, that's kind of like the dating days. Once I've got past that, that's like getting past the first 10 minutes of a film and then I'm in, no matter how bad it gets. Historically, Ooh. I like to think that I have done quite a lot of work to, yeah, move, don't do to that. move beyond that. But certainly like in my, in like my early adult relationships and you've given yourself some kind of rule you know you have to finish the book yeah yeah you mentioned something that there's another adhdism in there which is hyper focus and enthusiastic you know, receptive communication yeah. and what that does in a relationship when it's the woman who has it because, you know, you were saying about, like, being really enthusiastic about something. Mm. When I meet a new person, whether it's dating or a friend, I get hyper-interested in them yeah. and I like to see the world as they do. Yeah. And I really like to jump in and move around and they're, well, what do you like to do? Oh, you go there, what's it like there? Oh, you're born in Africa. What part of Africa was it? What was it like? What did you do in the holidays? Who looks after so intensely kind of interested mm. so i'll read a load of african fiction mm. you know or so mm. you know from I, I dated a guy from zimbabwe like read books from zimbabwe mm. look up all the different places mm. listen to what l- the different languages sound like just i get really really interested in it and um I always thought that was a good thing, but I really, on reflection, don't think from their side it's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, really, I really don't think it is. Yeah. I thought if someone came along to me and I was really into them and they just wanted to do all the stuff I like to do, I mean, that's a great time. Yeah. No, not the other way around. I've been the same in no. that I will, in the past... I have met somebody, thought they were, like, the best thing that I'd ever witnessed in the world, and suddenly, like, I want to listen to the music that they listen to, I want to I watch mm. the films they like, I want to um, understand why they like football so much, I want to, like, know... You know, I, I want to, like, start being interested in the things that they're interested in almost to kind of like to share hobbies slash steal them and become better at them than they are yeah i've done that that as well i think will impress them yeah (laughs) and actually i think it It really doesn't guys don't like that i dated a guy who um who played poker and he taught me to play poker and then all i did was i just hyper fixated on it and gave up my day job Mm. and just play poker for a living for a year i was just in like before you know it, i was in like an illegal game in new york i was just i went deep went deep with it it did not like that when you say you did it for your day job as in like i lived off my earnings you lived off it you I didn't, didn't you like... know i wasn't a great player yeah yeah it's what they call a grinder I said a, a rounder which just means like you go around you, you know you go around games you sit in games in quite in, in and you play a decent game. So you sit in any games and you mop up 100 quids here and there, or this is what I did, from sort of drunk city types who don't know how to play the game and have no discipline. Mm -hmm. So just hang hang around in casinos for hours waiting to to 
get your gas yeah get your gas bill paid from sloppy you know illegal minicab drivers who how long before you could teach me how to do that i don't think it's possible now because when i did it it was like um a long time ago and it was the whole poker thing's just gone crazy now and there's just so the game's different there's so many brilliant you know every economic student is all just at it incredibly brainy it was quite a new thing over here then and there was a lot of vulnerabilities in the live game mm. and online to, to to exploit which um i did i made maybe 1500 quid a month for a year nice did you wear like long black gowns and crystal chokers you're just not even in the right ballpark. <laughs> listen, I'm talking about... Is that roulette? <laughs> listen, should I, should I picture the scene for you? Yeah. So somewhere off Old Street. So what happened at that time? There was a grey area in the law, which meant that you could set up, someone could get a licence for a games club. So you could say, oh, we're going to have chess and backgammon and poker and this and that. So it's not a casino. It's not a gambling place. It's a kind of a games place. And we have a bar and serve food. Mm -hmm. And then what would happen is someone would rent um, a sort of a basement office somewhere. And they'd have one, they'd have a game of Ludo in the corner and... 15 poker tables and that people would just play poker at 24 hours around the clock right okay that's how it worked and there'd be no sign on the outside there'd just be a doorway and it was always open okay and you'd walk down the stairs and you'd hear the riffle of chips and you'd um loads of um drunk blokes from canary wharf blah 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 would come in and there'd just be all human life represented illegal minicab drivers were overrepresented. <laughs> Um, yeah, a few economic students and then some really interesting characters. I met some really good friends there. I mean, one of my friends who I met there is, um, has made, has gone on to become a big league international poker player and he's made, well, it's record, it's on record that in, um, official tournaments, he's made $10 million so that he's probably made 10 times that. And he just gets to keep yeah, wasn't that me. money. What do you mean? Who's going to take it away from it? Yes, he money. won it. Won it. So, yeah. You win it off wow. other people. You don't win it off a casino. You win it off other people. Wow. It's really fun. And then occasionally it gets spicy and people threaten to shoot each other. Um, that kind of thing. Threaten to maybe chop each other's fingers off. Is that why you stopped? That goes on. Oh, that was... Um, that's, Is that your sticky that's toffee pudding? That's my timer. Pudding? I've got to go check my sticky toffee pudding. Is that Do okay? it. We have di we've digressed anyway, haven't we? I'm going to go and uh, skewer it and I'll be back in about a minute. Clean as a whistle. Have you been to the toilet? <laughs> no, I went and stuck a skewer in my sticky toffee pudding. Uh, well, actually, it's not even a skewer. It's a... Uh, I, I couldn't find a skewer, so I used a drill bit because I'm a problem solver. Oh, I like that. This is quite relevant, actually, because, you know, we're talking about being intense in relationships. I'm in a new relationship. We've been together for three months. We're already kind of basically semi-living together and have committed to taking it in turns each week, each week to cook each other a three-course meal from scratch. So next week it's a gerbil cleaning out. 
It is. Then it's that trips to pets at home. Oh yeah. Two for one in the rodent department. Chinchillas. <laughs> I always wanted a chinchilla. I really wanted a chinchilla when I was little. I did actually have a gerbil. They're angry and they get depressed and they live alone and they don't like to be petted. Well, that was not going to work for me. We've got to we've got to domestic rodents again. <laughs> this and uh, we should change. <laughs> Didn't we? The whole of last week was... Okay. So, things that romantic partners hate. So, at the moment, we're just talking about heterosexual, because that's our mm -hmm. experience, yeah. right, of dating men. Um, so, I wonder how it works if one dates a woman or a gender-fluid person. I don't know how that goes. Or if one... Have you ever dated someone with ADHD? Um, not knowingly, but I think... I think my boyfriend has... Definitely has it. I'm almost... The current boyfriend? Yeah. yeah so we're I'm... outing him on the podcast, are we? <laughs> uh, should we? I mean, I think we're... Are we qualified to make a diagnosis? Just give no. us a few headline facts about him and I can diagnose him and save him. We've done one of those, um, you know, those, like, diagnostic tools that you can get on the internet. Like... Apps. You, Yeah, where you answer, like, 20 questions and it, it gives you a rating as to how likely it is that you would be diagnosed with ADHD um but to be honest I kind of I've kind of known or had my suspicions from day one and I think that's why so far we have clicked and and connected connected so well in our in our personalities but what's really interesting is um if he if he if he were to have it it would be a great um, demonstration of how ADHD affects men and women differently because, um, say he does have it, we still have ADHD-related, I think, um, issues that come up in terms of our communication, in terms of our emotional regulation, in terms of our misunderstandings of each other, that we are, as all couples would be at such an early stage working through or like all so the time let's... trying to work out ways of how to, to navigate those <laughs> okay as i'm not esther perel and we haven't asked his permission let's pause that conversation there and then you can go back to him and um find out if he minds you digging that stuff up on the air really? yeah that's it's quite a good point. protective of him i've never met the guy yeah. but let's do that um, but impulsive there. Oversharing, as we just... <laughs> oversharing that you've just demonstrated so beautifully. I... Yeah, that's part That's part of my thing as well. And that can get in the way of relationships as well. Because yeah. that's another thing on my list that I always thought was a good thing. A childlike, trusting, optimistic quality mm. that would... Yeah, it's not that, is it, to the other partner? In a heterosexual relationship, it's not... My experience is that it's been, yeah, it's been experienced as a negative thing. That's the feedback I've been given. What What do you mean specific? Can you be more specific? Too much. Like, um, like telling them everything about you on the first date. Okay, yeah. That thing. Yeah. I'm not supposed to do that, apparently. They don't like it. Mm. Do you think that's... Um, because we're talking about heterosexual relationships, do you think that's um, straight men in general or yeah. just neurotypical so, so straight what, men? 
I mean, I, it's difficult to know, right? Because I can only talk about my experience, which is I'm nearly 50 and I've never been anywhere near to being sort of like married, engaged. I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the rub. And mm. actually that's what made me get over my resistance to being diagnosed and just crack on with it. Because my last relationship was lovely, utterly lovely in every way. And <clears throat> the feedback uh, was, yeah, the intent uh, the note was, I feel intensity and pressure. Mm. Everything else, lovely, 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 ticking all the boxes, great. And I feel intensity and pressure. And I sort of immediately went to, in my mind, I've done everything right, everything feels right. Maybe they've got history. It must be, it must be something they're bringing to this relationship. And then I sort of sat with that and I even suggested that. And I got a very polite, thank you for your feedback. It's not that. Mm. Um, so I was like, oh, okay. And then went back and had more of a think. And then, yeah, the voice in my subconscious that said, maybe go and get, maybe read a book about ADHD. <laughs> maybe go on YouTube and look up ADHD. You know, it poked me. That was the thing that really kind of got me there in the end because the pattern had been there, but I'd responded to the pattern thinking, oh, maybe it's because I'm codependent or I'm clingy or I'm this, all the, you know, all the crimes of womanhood, all the things you're not supposed to be. Maybe it's because I'm not independent enough or I'm this or I'm that. So I changed all the things. I did all the work on myself in my life. And then when I was done and I just thought, wow, great. Yeah, I'm kind of really doing good. And then it still happened. I was really like massive eye roll, massive yeah. F, F, S. Yeah. And then just really had a good cry about it. And um, what was fascinating, I talked to a friend of mine about this and they're a man who he's a good friend. And he said, oh, that's really interesting. Flo. He said, oh, but I'm not sure that in the context of the relationship, it was the ADHD was the problem because mm. I've got three good friends and they all have severe ADHD. <clears throat> and they're all happily married. They're men. Mm. <laughs> Because when the man moves the relationship forward, when he's dating a woman, when he skips to the next crumb and says, oh, we've been out, you know, it's our one week anniversary. Can I have a drawer at your house? The woman says, great. Yeah. <laughs> In an uncertain world, a world of lies, a man that wants to commit, I'll take it. I'll take have it. two drawers. Wear my pants. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All the time. And so there's definitely, there's definitely a sexism thing in there. It's definitely like this, and, and the date as well, listen, in the Gabo Mate book that I was make, taking the mickey out of, he lays down the evidence to say that this, this disproportionately affects adult women with this mm. um, condition and not men. Men have a smoother ride with this. And then, of course, once they have, if they are able to achieve a committed relationship early on in their adult life, then, of course, they have a situation which I've seen around me where you have an older man who's utterly brilliant with his ADHD and he's flying all over the place and he's creative and scatty. And he has an old school presidential model, you know, wife. He has a Michelle Obama in the background 
who's focused, mm. you know, and make sure he's, you know, he's putting cre- getting his creases in his underpants mm. and making sure he's at the airport on time and his passport's up to date. Mm. Doing all of that stuff. Yeah, creating an environment in which he can exist with yeah. those symptoms yeah. and it not be so detrimental for him. Yeah. Exactly. And and so what I see is, yeah, older men in my life have had incredible careers and incredible lives and they will tick all the boxes of this diagnosis, but they haven't looked at it because they don't need to look at it because all the doors have opened, been opened for them mm. by their wives, who's committed to them early in response. She's given him a lifetime of service because he's a loyal guy who was willing to go onto the next breadcrumb mm. at a pace. Yeah. That's kind of what the view looks like from here. I mean, this mm. is early days for me, but that's what it looks like. And of course, there's no solution to it because this is not something you can switch off, even no. with Even treatment. with the so awareness the, of it as well, even, even knowing yeah, it. it. Yeah, yeah even, even knowing it, it's still a thing. I do wonder, however, if in... My recent relationships, which have been very healthy and lovely, but I, the man has broken up. The um, he hasn't broken up into pieces. He's broken up with me. So I just had a, I had a, a vision then of dating Humpty Dumpty in my mind, <laughs> turning into a pillar of salt and falling to the floor. Um, no, it's not that. <laughs> It's, um, they've broken up the relationship. They've broken off the relationship with me. And I do wonder if, when I'd started dating them, if I'd been able to say, yeah, yeah, this is really lovely. The first few dates have been great. Just to let you know, I've got ADHD. And sometimes the way that shows up is that, um, I get super excited about things and sort Mm. of a bit, you know, there's a brilliant expression where I come from, which I love in um, Portsmouth, getting a bit previous, (laughs) getting a bit ahead of yourself. Yeah. I get a bit previous. Yeah. And um, if, if, you know, if you feel that happening, just, you know, let me know and we can have, we can talk about it. I wonder if that would have made any difference. Yeah, I, that's a question that I have been asking myself recently as well, is I wonder if, if my current relationship will be different um, and be yeah. better for knowing that I have that I have ADHD because it's the first it's the first relationship I've had with that diagnosis with that self awareness and um, increasing self acceptance fluctuating self acceptance I should say really but um, I wonder I I wonder if it's going as well as it is so far because I know more about myself and I am getting better at articulating the particular struggles that I have and that that have had put a strain on relationships in the past or whether it's just because it's a better match. And I don't think, I don't know if I'll ever, I don't know if you can ever know that, but it would be, it would stand to reason if it's going better this time round that having that knowledge and therefore women having better access to diagnosis, treatment, society being more aware of how it impacts on women if that would, you know, surely that that could stand to improve so many people's relationships and lives, relationships with themselves as well. Do you, do you know what would be an amazing episode? If I did actually become Esther Perel. Do you know who she is? 
the is French woman who does the relationships podcast. Yeah. She's incredible. Yeah. And she just goes straight to the heart of it. She listens to them like this. She's really attractive and kind of in that French way, just like, just woke up like this. And she says things like, um, this, this is not love. This is desire. Desire. Um, I think I should become Esther Perel and interview you and your boyfriend. Dig it up in public. Ah. Uh. Buckers go silent. Or maybe we could end the relationship that way. Is that an example? <laughs> maybe how, I could just commit myself to a life of solitude. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> drive the relationship off a cliff. Buckers has managed to keep it on track, so let's bring in the big guns. <laughs> Let's depth charge this relationship. Okay, yeah, mm. pretend I didn't say that and don't give him access to this recording. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, we didn't do that. So, notes for future episodes from this are things, <laughs> things that partners have that we've copied off people we're dating and got really into. Yeah. And then got better than them at. Yeah. Or like hyper interested in. Yeah. I mean, I got very, I once dated a um, kidney transplant surgeon. I got very into that. Very into kidneys. Yep. The whole renal system actually. In a big Vas way. And, and veins, vascular surgery in general, mm -hmm. but particularly renal failure. And- um, Big subject, Particularly big the challenges of, tr <laughs> well, I go out niche down, the challenges of um, treating renal, renal failure in developing countries. Okay. And how many dialysis machines did you refurbish in that, in that time in your life? <laughs> <laughs> Have you got did one as a water see... filter system in your kitchen? You've converted <laughs> it. Yeah, so that that's definitely an episode. Hobbies we've picked up along the way. Yeah, I started playing the so banjo we've been at one point. <laughs> I did Full the ukulele. <laughs> I've got two. So I've got two ukuleles. <laughs> oh my god, the banjo! Did you get a rocking chair on your porch? No. No. In service. In the shed. <laughs> Get really in character. You said there was that. Yeah, I mean, carpentry is my most recent one. Yeah. You know, that whole thing. And that I'm sure that didn't help the kind of, would you like to borrow my drill? And then text in the next day saying, I built a kitchen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bit of a tumbleweed. But with the enthusiasm, oh my God, look, I built a kitchen. I know, it's so annoying. Why can't people be really, really impressed and excited that you have just built a kitchen with like less than a week's experience using a tool? If, if a guy I was dating doing that, I'd be just like, this is incredible. And it shows me that they're capable, um, visionary, adaptable, curious person. Mm. I just think lucky me. Yeah. That's not the experience the other way around. That's not what's being reflected back mm. to me. Well, Sadly. I am, um, I'm bowled over by your kitchen. And I think that deserves an episode. And I'm in bowled itself. over by your, your back. Well, I didn't do the whole thing. He, you know, he started me off and he did the hard part. And you finished it but, off. But um, classic. I took the baton and I made 
I made them, um, what's it called? Um, you know, like when you go to restaurants and there's a nook that you sit in and there's like a banquette around the table that's fixed in the middle. No, not I made a booth, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a booth. Yeah. I made booth seating, a booth table and um, some shelving solutions and, yeah, various other bits and bobs. A fold down, a drop leaf table um, on the site. They're various things, yeah. So, it's what can you do? It's super impressive. Well, put a call out for a carpenter with ADHD and and let your love flourish as what would it be like on a... your, your homemade <laughs> let furniture? Let your love go like a bird on the, the wing. wing. Let, let your love go. <laughs> Do you know that one? <laughs> you are living <laughs> da, 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 Let your love flow. Da, 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 da. It's the season. Da, 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 da. It's the season. Do Do you have? A, it's another episode. Do you have um, a radio station that sings to you all the time in your mind? Yes, and sometimes it's playing two songs at the same time and a catchphrase from an mm. advert and the last sentence of the last thing that I read that just is repeating over and over and it's like some kind of mm. hideous mashup that I can't stop mm. pressing play on. Even post-treatment, that wasn't... The, the Buckers FM is still... Yeah, Buckers FM is stuck on loop constantly. Sometimes I, I can turn other things was... up and make them louder than it, but it's always mm -hmm. there. I wouldn't mind if the content was more thought out by the provider. Yeah. But it's definitely a commercial radio station, which is quite slapstick yeah. and thrown together at the last minute. Mm -hmm. That's my problem with it. There's a lot of advertisements from the 1970s that have just stuck around in the memory banks. And the playlist is like sort of gold FM or something. It would be oh probably something gosh. like that. I get the... Um, Real FM or something. You know, like the little sponsor adverts before... Um, like Coronation Street or something. Um, do you remember when... I I get these little, like, um, jingles and stuff from those old, old sponsor adverts mm. from, like, 15 years ago. Coronation Street used to be sponsored by Cadbury's and there used to be, like, the sexy Cadbury's chocolate flake rabbit... And the little um, jingle used canceled. to go... And then it would go into the Coronation Street theme. And I just get that playing over and over in my head so often. And the meerkats. The bloody meerkats. Compare the meerkats. Did you... Um... Dot com. We've... Um... Content-wise, we've just produced a... Well, we've just reproduced the most annoying symptom for you of ADHD to reassure listeners who are experiencing annoying inner radio stations of their own. Mm -hmm. I don't... I'm not sure if that's entertainment. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> when they write in. Yeah. Thank you.